That's when Cthulhu walked in with a bag full of... Hey, wait, wait. Um, What's that red light? One. Oh, the light's on. Good. Don't yeah, have we'll, finish. we'll come back to that later. Okay. Welcome, everybody, to Front Row Perspectives. Uh, I'm David Slash Asher. Uh, and we've actually got a fuller house than normal. So we actually have five people tonight. Woohoo! So uh, yeah. we have, of course, Michael slash Fates. Hey, y'all. Uh, Eddie slash Baron 5X. Yo. Nick slash Itrio. Hello. And MPX out of nowhere. Yes. Mysteriously so. <laughs> Wild MPX appears, question mark. Uh, so uh, MPX tends to show up more on the weeklies. This is, he just showed up expecting it to be a weekly. Don't know why. But um, stay. And he also shows up on the Saturday night streams. We're holding hands right now, so it's okay. Uh, but social distancing. Uh, okay, so tonight's topic is actual game theory. Um, which for everybody that doesn't that only thinks of you know that one series by that one YouTuber. Game theory. Thanks for what? I had to. I know. That's why I paused for a moment to allow you to get it out of your system. Is a factor that uh. game theory is the study of, and this is just kind of verbatim from Wikipedia, is the study of mathematical models of strategic interaction among rational decision makers. Or in layman's terms, trying to apply math to social interaction. Now, that's kind of a weird way to put it, but yes, it's it's basically trying to apply numerical values to essentially social interaction. <laughs> now, whether that social interaction does actually have some numerical values or not is a different matter. Because, <laughs> yeah, this is basically the kind of foundation for literally uh, Isaac Asimov's story, the uh, Foundation series. But um, this uh, game theory can also be applied in, of course, actual games. Mm -hmm. um, and it is actually used because uh, it is actually used in certain aspects to get the players to react, uh, like see how players will react in certain cir uh, circumstances, and also maybe change how the game works or plays because of player feedback from based off of game theory. But, uh, so in, in this case, uh, like the, uh, like various things could be like cooperative non-cooperative symmetric, asymmetric zero sum, which is the most common thing that you hear in, gaming mm -hmm. and by gaming this is not just like video gaming this is like anything from like board games to word puzzles uh we also have simultaneous and sequential 
uh, perfect and imperfect information combat natatorial games. I'm not sure how I pronounce the fuck out of that. Combat natatorial. Uh, C O M B I N A T O R I A L. Combatinatorial. Combatinatorial. Yeah, that you you got it. Yep. Uh, <laughs> infinitely long. Uh, Those three... are my type of games. <laughs> uh, it's also called uh... the the other way of calling it is determinancy. Uh, discrete and continuous, differential, evolutionary uh, evolutionary game theory, uh, stochastic outcomes and other relation to other fields, metagaming, pooling games, and mean field game theory. Um, these are all kind of like uh, types of games and game theory. Uh, probably the one that we could probably get up fairly quickly is zero-sum or non-zero-sum gaming. Because everybody has encountered a zero-sum game or a non-zero-sum game at one point. Uh, in this case, uh, one of the thought puzzles from it uh, of a zero-sum or non-zero-sum game is the Prisoner's Dilemma. Mm -hmm. um, now, for those that don't know what the Prisoner's Dilemma is is that two members of a criminal gang are arrested and imprisoned. Each prisoner is in solitary confinement with no means of communicating with each other. Uh, the prosecutors lacked sufficient evidence to convict the pair on the principal charge, but they have enough to convict both of a lesser charge. Simultaneously, the prosecutors offer each prisoner a bargain. Each prisoner is given the opportunity to either betray the other by testifying that the other committed the crime or to cooperate with the other by remaining silent. And so this leads to uh, a typical uh, A-B matrix of if A and B betray each other, each of them serves two years in prison. If A betrays B, but B remains silent, A will be set free, but B will serve three years in prison. A remains silent, but B betrays A, A serves three, and B will set free. If A and B both remain silent, both of them will serve only one year in prison on the lesser charge. So, essentially, like, in the end, like, you have to configure uh, or figure out how to do it. But zero-sum game is that there's always going to be a failure state in it. Mm -hmm. And most of the games that they kind of reference for a like a perfect example is poker is a zero sum game. I don't know why. Admin, I don't play poker, but I don't see um, other zero sum. The guy who said full house in the beginning of this episode. Fuller house. The sequel. But they also mentioned the sequel. <laughs> yeah. Oh. But, so, uh, the way that, like, a zero-sum game in, I want to say gaming, is usually 
perform A action, but B detriment gets applied, or... Um, so essentially, like, you either don't take it and nothing, uh, nothing bad happens, or you do take something positive for one th aspect, but you get a detriment tacked on as well. I've seen that in a couple of various roguelites where it's like, oh, hey, you get a boost to attack, but you get a um, debuff to, let's say, magic or speed or something else. So, uh, when used, uh, zero-sum games are more meant to play, uh, to give players an option, but still don't, like, uh, gain enough to go past the system, uh, to cause detriment to whatever rules or systems are in place. Um, so anybody want to discuss about zero-sum gaming? Or at least the prisoner's dilemma. I've been talking for a while. Well, and one one example I can think of uh, regarding that last one where you may have an increase to attack, but lower magic as a result. Uh, one the first thing that I thought you were going to say that came to my mind was uh, was in, say, for example, uh, Final Fantasy XIV, since that's a game we both play, yep. where the warrior, uh, as a tank, is the highest attack uh, of the tanks, but the trade-off is that they have paper, they have uh, tissue paper defense. Ah, yes. They are like wet paper sacks. And freaks out the poor healer at times when they're not doing the proper <laughs> rotation. <laughs> Uh, mm -hmm. no, 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 Michael will kill people if you don't do proper rotation for a warrior. Uh, no, correction. I will let people die if they... I won't kill them. Uh, they will kill them <laughs> with their kill, own poor choices. You will kill them by not acting, a.k.a. No, I, it, is not, it is not murder by inaction. They're dying purely of their own actions. That's neither here nor there, though. We can move on. <laughs> Um, as for the two that actually have information about game theory, uh, your thoughts or like places that you've seen zero sum or non zero sum game, uh, games. Well, you know, I, I think what Michael brought up made me think a little bit is even the idea of like party setup, you know, in your, in your typical MMO parties going into, into dungeons or raids, is there... Is, is, it, is there something to that? Like, I feel like part of it is already premeditated because we're, hmm. when you're forming a party, you already kind of have an idea of like, no, this is how we need to balance if we expect to survive. Like, you can't all go in all, all tanks and expect to live. You can't go in all healers and expect to live. Like, is, but I wonder if premeditation, because you already know what you're getting involved in going in, how that, if it relates to game theory at all. Actually, that's less of zero-sum and more of the cooperative, non-cooperative uh, aspect of game theory, Eddie. So, we could transition over to that, uh, unless Itrio or MPX have anything to say. 
I mean, basically my understanding of what a zero-sum game is pretty much whatever one person gains, another person loses. Uh, so uh, another, a probably more, um, I guess, accurate, accurate uh, example of a game that's uh, classified zero-sum, mm-hmm. chess. Yeah, chess but... is one of the ones that I've been seeing as a zero-sum example. There, there, there's no common interest between the two parties. Whatever one gains, the other loses, etc. Hmm. Exe- um, I mean, I, I don't see really in in terms of the only thing that I could think of for like video games would be like PvP. There's there's a lot of I don't see how zero-sum applies to, like, just standard uh, RPGs. Well, uh, this is just my take on it, but I think the perfect example for zero-sum decision-making is obviously uh, the railway dilemma of whether you choose to have the railway go on one track killing four people or on the other track killing one person. The trolley problem. Yeah, the trolley problem. But uh, that just simply demonstrates the decision. You either have to make one choice or the other, either losing four lives or one life, and oftentimes this is just simply to exemplify a certain moral decision. I would think that what you would end up seeing for zero-sum games ultimately is sort of the decision-making you get in uh, dialogue trees and such. Because you obviously have to make one decision or the other, oftentimes. You try to prevent people with, you know, some semblance of an advantage or disadvantage. But inevitably, you end up moving the problem forward. So essentially... Maybe I'm misunderstanding it. The Paragon versus uh, Renegade options, at least in Mass Effect 1? Uh, Something like that, I guess. But the idea is that there is a definitive choice of where you could say somebody gains something and somebody loses something, even if that is just sort of a semblance of a choice mm-hmm. or an effect or outcome. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I guess I'm a little rusty on that one. I, well, I can see I'm how just that... interpreting it. It's may yeah, need a lot more thought put into it to actually <laughs> verify whether it would be accurate to call it a zero-sum game. That's fair. Well, so since Eddie technically brought it up, we could probably start talking about cooperative and non-cooperative, which, I'll be honest, literally cooperative and non-cooperative are also known as Multiplayer and single player in gaming. So, essentially, cooperative is where all uh, the players are able to form binding commitments. Uh, where, uh, admittedly, the way it's written is like a game of co- uh, game is cooperative. The players are able to form binding commitments externally enforced. A.K.A. you're stuck on t- uh, stuck on blue, and you have to fight red. Mm-hmm. 
uh, or a game is non-cooperative if players cannot form alliances or if all the agreements need to be self-enforcing. Which, in this case, that's more of the MMO of, like, you can, uh, like, you can play PvP or run raids and stuff, and that becomes cooperative, or you could just go there and do solo leveling, and that becomes non-cooperative, a.k.a. single-player. Um, but admittedly, like, that doesn't, like, cooperative and non-cooperative starts bleeding into pretty much all the other aspects. It's like, like, I say, like, multiplayer and single-player, but they're, yeah, like, you can actually have a non-cooperative multiplayer, and that is the best way I could probably describe it would be the uh, Battle Royale games. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, Fortnite and so forth. Fortnite, oh, yeah. Battlefield. And you can also do cooperative... Uh, admittedly, like, I've never really seen a cooperative single-player game. Um, but the only one that comes to mind when I thought about it is... Like, years ago, on the app... Uh, on, like, the Google Play and Apple... Uh, app Store, there used to be an, an app that basically you had to break panels on a giant cube that everybody had access to. And whoever broke the last panel would get a big secret. But you could, uh, you yourself could only, uh, you had no interaction with no other players. So. Well, then what? What about Death Stranding, then? That sounds a lot like Death Stranding. I guess you could put Death Stranding as a cooperative single player. I mean, that's where, where players that I never never engaged directly before, mm-hmm. we would help each other build structures and leave clues. Actually, speaking of leaving clues, you could even say a lot of the Souls games do that, too. Yeah, I, was, I was literally just about to say, at that, at that point, that makes the Souls games sound like uncooperative single player. Non cooperative. <laughs> well, where it's, where it's literally jump True. here for secrets. Or uh, butt finger, uh, finger butthole. Or hang in there, skeleton. <laughs> or try jumping on every single ledge that you obviously know is death. <laughs> so. Yeah, uncooperative is technically correct, um, but there are certain aspects of the Dark uh, Dark Souls series that you still have a uh, like cooperative and non-cooperative aspects to it. Just circling back to Death Stranding in that in that discussion, uh, MPX. I remember that while I was while we were streaming uh, Death Stranding, I I was playing in. in you know, connected to the larger network, but I think for a while you were you were playing through the game without connectivity. Was that correct? Or, or yeah. David, if you remember, I can't remember. I, I remember I, that being part of this that in those days. I do remember MPX uh, playing it in offline mode. Yes. Um, I mean, I I can tell you just from that experience that I'm I'm, I'm almost certain like the game would have been way more difficult if 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 i didn't have that cooperation and you kind of go into that game you know you you don't know if you're going to have 
what kind of quality co- cooperation you're going to get anyway. Like it was the beginning of that gameplay, so I think it was easier to find cooperation because it, it just came out. There was excitement for the game, but you know, I knew to a degree I couldn't rely on it. But every time I could take the opportunity of it, I did. But I couldn't rely on it. That's information that I did not have and could not really could not readily know until until it was too late. I guess maybe for lack of a better term. Yeah. So, in this case, like, uh, in gaming, uh, cooperative or non-cooperative, like, yeah, I can boil it down to, like, for simplistic sake, is, of course, like, multiplayer and single player. But at the same time, uh, there are some board games that actually kind of do both, and one of the ones I could think of is Settlers of Catan where you you can form alliances with people and screw other people over, or you can just be yourself and screw everybody else over. Um, and cooperative does not always mean, like, you're forced into a group uh, fighting somebody else. It could be something like Monster Hunter, where it's, like, you against the AI as some weird shit happens and you get punched against the wall with by a giant monkey. God. Damn you, Rajang. <laughs> um, but I, I'd say a good chunk of at least modern day gaming now boils into cooperative and non-cooperative and trying to get people to play uh, with that aspect. Um, I guess we could move on to one of the other ones, which is uh, symmetric and asymmetric, which uh, I don't think I've seen it, at least in gaming, but I could be dead wrong. So uh, a symmetric game is a game where the payoffs for playing a particular strategy depend only on the other strategies employed and not who is playing them. Uh, so, mm-hmm. uh, essentially, mo- uh, most of the time, uh, t- uh, it also, uh, symmetric and asymmetric also can play into the prisoner's, uh, dilemma, a game of chicken. Uh, something called the stag hunt. See what the stag hunt is. Once again, we're kind of using Wikipedia as a general resource. I mean, like you do. Yeah. Uh, a stag hunt. Uh, stag hunt, sometimes referred to as the assurance game or trust dilemma, describes a conflict between safety and social cooperation. Uh, stag hunt was a story that became told by Foster Jean-Jacques Rousseau on his. Discourse on inequality. So it's the whole me versus us theory? Or uh, us versus them theory? Ah, here we go. The examples of the stag hunt. Uh, The original dilemma, the original stag hunt dilemma is as follows. A group of hunters have tracked a large stag and found it to follow a certain path. If all the hunters work together, they can still uh, kill the stag and 
all eat. If they are discovered or do not cooperate, the stag will flee and all will go hungry. Ah. Uh, so, the hunters will hide and wait along a path. An hour goes by with no sound of stag. Two, three, four hours pass with no trace. Day passes. The stag does not pass every day, but the hunters are reasonably certain that it will come. However, a hare is seen by all hunters moving along the path. If a hunter leaps out and kills the hare, he will eat, but the trap laid for the stag will be wasted and the other hunters will starve. There is no certainty that the stag will arrive, the hare is present. The dilemma is that if one hunter waits, he risks one of his fellows killing the hare for himself, sacrificing everyone else. This makes the risk twofold. The risk is that the stag does not appear and the risk that the other hunters will ta uh, take the kill. Mm-hmm. So, so in that case, uh, Smictric came either, like, uh, basically, as they stated, if everybody follows the same strategy, certain things will win out, whereas other things will cause it to fail. If, But you have to have trust that every single person follows the same strategy because again mm -hmm. you if you're the if you're the one schmuck and everybody else is like oh i'm gonna jump out of and try and get it then you're losing and one of them is winning yeah and that makes me think of overwatch good god well, we well i mean we we got overwatch you know you're in groups you you try to create like a, a team-wide strategy that you're trying to follow and winning the game. And if you play enough, you can, there's always these like certain quote unquote rules that pop up for certain maps or certain, certain play styles. But you always have your own individual decisions you can make. You know, yeah. if you're going to go for that extra kill because it looks promising, or are you going to, are you going to try the brave stunt to go and, and save your, your teammates? If you're a healer, you know, like, yeah, when strategies break down and, and something isn't happening if and when expected, it's your, are you going to make the right decision in the right moment or not? Eh, you could. Um, I, I know me and Michael could easily equate it to follow the goddamn, uh, God, what was it in 14? Mechanics? Uh, I, was, I was just going to say, uh, get the hell out of the red. Follow the mechanics. Get the hell out of the red asher. It's never there when I'm standing. <laughs> mm -hmm. But basically the entire thing with uh, 14 is that if you're doing certain uh, most raids and stuff, it is generally a group effort. If a bunch of people decide to go like, well, I don't know the mechanics, I'm going to do what I normally do. Button mashers. Not necessarily button mashers, but a guy. Uh, I literally had. Th this is something that Michael was around for, but I decided to go do a you know just roulette. Um, I think it was a leveling roulette one time. Mm-hmm. And. 
tank one to run directly through the dungeon, not stop for any mobs. Which is always a mistake. Second mistake was that the healer was, like, allowing him to do it instead of telling him to hold the fuck on. Which, I've fallen into that trap as well, but still. Um, and then there was people like me where it's like, I tried to, you know, help them out. And me being a black mage is super squishy, and the healer, as stated, doesn't uh, wasn't helping anybody out. And literally, that turned into healers bitching. Uh, healer and his buddy are bitching out tank. Tank is bitching out healer. And we got through. And the dungeon. nobody wins. We got through the dungeon, and I didn't give anybody a commendation. And I didn't get a commendation at all. Probably because, once again, the DPS never gets commendations. Uh, <laughs> at least... I would disagree with that, but that's my personal standing, and that is kind of neither here nor there. Yeah, but that's kind of the joke in 14, is the DPS never gets commendations. Um, but yeah, the whole aspect of, like, if we fall, uh, if we followed like normal strategy of like not running through the dungeon, uh, making sure that the tank knows to hold back so we can kill stuff before they overwhelm us, also known as the Leroy Jenkins strategy. Leroy, Leroy Jenkins. Um. Basically, we probably would have had a quicker and faster time because. That dungeon, which normally takes, when I've run it other times with actual competent people, maybe 20 minutes max. Because it was one of the super early dungeons. So, whereas this time it took 40 minutes. Oof. Yeah. And we're not talking like, oh, hey, this is like when you're... 20, uh, like 20, this is like when you're like level 15. When you are just finally learning about, oh, hey, you can party with people. And literally the only things that is heal, he, uh, healers heal, DPS nukes, and tank just eats hits. Mm -hmm. And I swear these people were all like they were at least end game and i was like just i just wanted to get through the roulette and not have to deal with shit and that's one reason why i have a not a fear but a dread of roulette is getting that type of group again yeah no that's fair That that could fall under the category of uncooperative cooperative. Yeah. So you know we're we're kind of talking like you know in gameplay mm -hmm. a lot of this stuff, but something that kind of came to me mm -hmm. is that a lot of this might even apply even before the game itself starts. Like oh, yeah. a lot of times when you're playing. Like again, kind of going back to Overwatch, but even any kind of game where you're like a team-based, you know, game like that, you enter in a game, you know, with, sometimes with people you don't even really know, 
you're they're League all random. Legends. You're all kind of group. Yeah, <laughs> maybe even Among Us to a degree, but Among mm-hmm. Among Us. Among Us, we'll hold, put a table on that for just a few minutes. Yeah. Well, because what I'm thinking is that you, know, you might go in and you have your own personal objective, whether that's, you know, I'm here to, to win, to increase my rank, to get my points up. Or you might be someone who walks into that game going, well, I just want to try a character out. Or I'm just here for fun. You know, I'm on my couch. I'm about to go to sleep. I'm not here to, you know, to get points. And without knowing that information about everybody else in your team, that even before your game starts, your your dynamic and maybe even the, the final decision of the game is already made. And Eddie just mentioned pretty much two theories on game theory on, on that, which is metagaming mm-hmm. and perfect and imperfect information. Oh, yeah. So uh, metagaming, everybody, we've all met that one person that metagames a game to Helen back. Hi. Dungeons and Dragons. Uh... Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, I know me and Nick can at least mention one person who's metagamed the hell out of Yu-Gi-Oh! and PoE. Because he's the same person. One and the same. (laughs) There is no difference between them. You would think that we're describing two separate people based on the completely different types of games those are. Nope, same person. Same person. Um... But yeah, most of the time metagaming is used in infor- uh, like the information and rules that a lot of, um, essentially, I think it's written here, it's like metagames seek to maximize the utility value of the rule set developed, aka uh, things that you'd encounter with metagaming is, of course, min-maxing, um, or like... Creating- Creating broken characters in Dungeons and Dragons that can one shot everything. <laughs> creating characters mm-hmm. that can one shot. Uh, I think, and quoting a thing from our mutual friend that plays Yu Gi Oh! making a one turn nuke deck that literally just summon card, summons more cards, summon card, brings card back from discard pile, summons more cards until you literally just wipe the person out. It, yeah. This is why I'm not a big fan of uh, C- uh, TCGs anymore. Or CCGs. Is that people keep trying to go back to that standard and it pisses me off. Mm-hmm. Um, but some, uh, some of the things, uh, especially since we may- I mentioned Among Us, is the perfect and imperfect information aspects mm-hmm. which is uh, a game is one of perfect information if all players know the rules previously made by other uh, all other players so in a game of chess it's a perfect information you know what move that person did they know what move you did um, an imperfect information game as we just mentioned, is among us. Mm-hmm. Because I was doing tasks. Who's doing? Nope, tasks? I saw him bent. <laughs> <laughs> Your task is down in the vents, huh? It's kind of <laughs> yeah. 
Atrio has been voted off of the ship. I'm sorry. Atrio was not the imposter. Two imposters remain. (laughs) So. Wait, that means it's the end of the game because there's only four people left. (laughs) (laughs) So, essentially, uh, some games are perfect. Mo- uh, I'd say most 3D multiplayers are imperfect information because you do not know at least what some players have been doing or are doing during a match. So let's use... And in some cases, possibly, you may not know what they're capable of doing. Yeah. Um, whereas <laughs> other ones, like going back to the TCG stuff, perfect information... Uh, Admittedly, like, I, I'm just going to use uh, standard magic, because as far as I know, magic, you cannot place cards face down. Actually, no, you can. I think there was... It's a very, it's a very rare uh, card mechanic. It's not yeah. used really that much. So Your face down is your hand at this point. Yeah. But in this case... Any, uh, but any move that you make is generally known by the players, for the most part. I know Yu-Gi-Oh! is a game of imperfect information because you can place cards face down. That's both monsters and trap cards. Well, technically w- you don't even know what's in the deck, so... Yeah. I, I would argue that um, Magic is an imperfect game for the sake of you don't know... So, going back to chess... You know all the pieces are on the board. You know what moves have been made. You know everything that has happened and can make predictions about what could possibly be happened because there's only so many things that can happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas in Magic, you don't know what's in your opponent's deck. You don't know what you're going to draw next. You don't know what's in their hand. Well... Uh, I mean, there are there are certain there are certain restricted uh, scenarios where you may know exactly what's in their deck, but even then, you don't know in what order what could be coming up, what they're holding. They may have they may be order. Yeah, you don't know anything about that order. Bit holds true for your deck too, unless you're cheating. Well, Mm -hmm. that's that's the thing is that you and they do actually mention this is that. Perfect information is often confused with complete information, which is a similar concept, but complete information requires that every player know the strategies and payoffs available to the other players. So perfect information is about the moves made, whereas complete information is about all the strategies and concepts and availabilities that other players have access to them. Ah. So... A perfect information game is based off of the moves played. Um, thing, uh, so essentially, I, that's why I say, like, technically, um, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! I would probably put in Imperfect because... Okay, I can see how Magic is then a perfect information game. Yeah, mm-hmm. is that, uh, uh, there's as you stated, there is a special, like, very rare card rule set that allows you to place a card face down. I've only seen like two or three cards, and that was years ago. And I don't think that, the that's rules old sets. I I don't think those are in standard play yeah. anymore. You so, have to be playing Legacy or uh, Wild. Yeah. Whereas Yu-Gi-Oh is an imperfect because, as stated, a player can make a move, but the other players don't know what type of move they made until either a the player reveals their hand, uh, 
like the card. But essentially, perfect inf uh, like the information site is based off of uh, the moves previously made, where uh, and, not, and not to be confused with the complete information, which, as stated, is often they do state that it's often conf uh, complete information is also is often confused for perfect. So, because complete information is about literally. Um, Every player know the strategies and payoffs available to the other players, mm -hmm. which generally that okay. starts getting into like high level chess and various four D chess. Po uh, oh God, four D <laughs> chess would literally be chess. trying to play complete <sighs> information. That that's four D chess, Eddie. You're trying to play complete information. <laughs> um. But no, I was saying that perfect information, uh, complete information would be basically high-level chess players, where they have the various strategies and idea and payoffs uh, based off of the moves that the other players have, and you're basically trying to work against that. You mean um, like the ones that have everything memorized, so they they know what moves are left in a game? Yeah. Uh, basically, the one uh, the ones that basically like, oh, he's moved here. This move can go into these strategies. Uh, the counters for those strategies are those strategies, so on and so forth. That would be complete information. Whereas, for us, uh, to kind of dumb it down, tic tac toe, uh, like tic tac toe, we could probably. There's only so many possible moves in a game of tic tac toe. Yeah, yeah. and if you memorize all like move progressions tic-tac-toe is probably like the easiest one to memorize move progression yeah so tic-tac-toe would be probably the easiest at least for us to do complete information versus chess <laughs> um let's see here i i guess we could move on to itrio's favorite one which is infinitely long games <laughs> Uh, uh, Infinity War. What? <laughs> oh my lord. So, uh, this is since also called de Determinancy. And is its, uh, and if I'm reading this right, its own field of study uh, in game theory? Brain. It's also a branch what? of mathematics. What? I'm so lost now. Determinancy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Freaking. I got broken by Infinity War. God damn it. Sorry. God damn it, Eddie. But um, we can move on to any game then. <laughs> Why? Why do you do this? Oh. <laughs> uh. So this is this is just breaking itchio tonight, I guess. Uh, uh, I mean, I'll I'll let Asher speak. So, for people that don't know what determinancy, determinancy is a subfield of set theory, branch of mathematics, that examines the conditions under which one or other players of a game has a winning strategy, and the consequences of the existence of such strategies. 
alternatively, and similarly, determinacy is the property of a game where such a strategy exists. So, if I'd have to boil it down, this is uh, determinacy is basically. I'd want to put it as um, a, a set condition where somebody can set up a, a set up and use a winning strategy, and every uh, and once it's in place, people can see the end result and the consequences of said uh, use of said strategy, is what I'd probably put it as. Somebody can correct me on that. Most likely. And I'm looking at like high level math going like, oh goody, uh Yeah. Oh, I was muted. Sorry. God damn it, Eddie. <laughs> He was trying to avoid well, breaking me again. Yeah. yeah, but because nobody was talking over him, he didn't realize it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so your thoughts, Eddie? No, I haven't. I haven't been correct on that. I mean, tr truthfully, like even me with an MBA who literally studied some of this, we didn't even get to these kind of specifics. It just wasn't really part of the the programming. Because, like you said, it is there's a lot of mathematics in there too. It, this kind of thing tends to be its own its own study. Yeah. Just because of how you make it. Yeah, determinacy is, as stated, like its own branch of ma uh, mathematics. And usually when somebody mentions branch, it usually means a ton of higher level, like we're talking like doctorate level people arguing in rooms about this. And various aspects of it. But, uh... I mean, at that point, you're talking about, like, like, just chance. And, like... Yeah. Like, programming probability. Yeah. This is, this is why computers were invented. <laughs> so, the infinitely long or deter uh, game slash determinancy... Generally, it like it's a kind of one of those like constant thing that happens. So let's see here. I'm just looking over various. Um... But yeah, game theory. And not the one by that one YouTuber. <laughs> kind of waited for his response, but he's muted. Thank God. Um, a game theory. God damn it. Thanks for reminding me. Um, I guess we could talk about probably about uh, combinatorial games. Um, especially since we... Um, Go ahead. That 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 annoying word, combinatorial. Combinatorial. Yeah. Uh, but 
because like it's backgammon. Backgammon, uh, game uh, basically combinatorial uh, games in which difficulty of finding an optimal strategy stems from the multiplicity of possible moves are called combinatorial games. Uh, examples, of course, include chess and go. Uh, games that improve imperfect information uh, also have strong combinatorial character, uh, like backgammon. Uh, there's no unified theory in addressing combinatorial elements in games. However, there are mathematicals that can solve particular problems and answer general questions. So essentially, combinatorial games is the just action and consequence aspect in this one. Um... Which, I, I'd hate to say, it, it's literally like, shoot gun, gun shoots bullet, bu uh, does bullet hit, bullet hits. What does bullet hit? Does bullet hit person? Yes, no, no. Does bullet hit wall? Yes, yes. Kind of aspect of combinatorial games. Game programming, like we're while loops and for loops and recursion all, all being smashed together here. Yep. Yeah... Um, however, it looks like uh, combinatorial games has been used in artificial intelligence. Um, I can I could see that in like oh, what is uh, the most basic AI? It's the one where there's the one that analyzes and then the one that challenges. Yeah. Uh, the the analysis basically is it the cat? Yes or no? And then. Oh. Agnacor. It challenges the result. I uh, there. Right. Google, be my friend. Tell me the name. <laughs> Is it the one genie one? He's being mute. I I I I, I can be. Oh, it's it's. Jenner Jenner. Talks about like the generation of the particular instance of the um, mm. analysis versus the generation of the challenge. Uh. Um, well, uh, I guess we could also talk about why game theory is kind of important is the factor that. Game theory is not just about gaming. It's... Generative adversarial network. General adversary. Okay. Generative Whoa. adversarial network. Basically, two neural networks contest with each other in a game. Uh, basically, one has a result, and the other is challenging that result to better each other at basically identifying things. So, pump, pump. AI network one with pictures of cats. These are all cats. You tell it that, and then the adversary of it sits there and goes, prove it. Prove that this <laughs> is cat. Exactly. Uh, this is very, very bare bones, hmm. but the reason why this is fresh on my mind is uh, one of my uh, favorite red shirt YouTubers. Oh, boy. Um, I'm I'm sure that's enough of a hint for anybody who likes edutainment YouTube. 
Wait, what is uh, red shirt supposed to mean in this context? <laughs> they don't die. I trust me. They don't die. This is dark. Okay. <laughs> It's like, whoa. <laughs> this took a oh, turn. They, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. They are. They went on hiatus for this month, and they had a bunch of guest, guests on their channel this month. So, uh, And one of their guests talked about generative adversarial networks. And I can't remember exactly what subject, but... I don't know what led me to think about this, but it was that adversarial like game uh, about numbers that made me think of it. Hmm. Oh no, again is uh, basically deep fakes, which is a topic for another time. Yeah, GANs can be used to generate deep fakes, and then there's a the adversarial says, "Is that really what you say it is?" Hmm. And the, is the, it real? The, the 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 point of it is, AI network one's job is to produce images that look like subject, and the adversarial is job is to is to try and dismiss those as real. So basically, wait, that one doesn't pass the pass the current bar, and both of those AI networks are growing in the sense that one is producing better images while the other one's becoming better at detecting the fakes. Oh, fun. That's a, that's a whole subject for another day. Yeah, if you care about analyzing the decisions, possible decisions in in any situation, game theory should be interesting to you. Yeah, because mm-hmm. uh, I uh, it is labeled as game theory, but as stated, it's mathematical models for strategic interaction of rational decision makers. So that generally tells you it's basically trying to put math onto social uh, social interactions or change it from social economical interactions um because i've heard various people trying to use game theory to of course stock market uh, tra- uh like day trading you literally using game theory for day trading the phrase the phrase gaming the market gaining the market mm-hmm. Um, some people tend to uh, use game theory in social interactions when they really shouldn't be. Like, oh, if I, it's like, if I ask for a manager, I will get somebody who may follow what I want out of this. Mm-hmm. Hello, Karen. <laughs> I mean, we've touched on this, but like, this is like, a lot of this is, especially these days, it is used in in artificial artificial intelligences because yeah. those those have to compute sometimes if infinitely large matrices of decision making possibilities. Yeah. And if they're gonna be effective they gotta do it fast. So models are good for that. Yeah. 
And I've mentioned the fact that there is a science fiction, very old, but still worth checking out, uh, called the, Found uh, the Foundation series by Isaac Asimov. And it's literally about a mathematical theory of how to... It, it, the entire premise is that somebody figured out a mathematical theory that predicted literally events in the future based off of so, uh, like the various aspects of social interaction with people and how to get a quotations uh, what used to be a galactic spanning empire back on its feet after it's fractured back down to the dark ages which is kind of surprising. And I know people are like, but that's not real. It's like, but that's kind of what game theory hopes to become. It's only a model. <laughs> Admittedly, <laughs> I don't want to go down that road because that's a different one. <laughs> There's lots of singing and dancing down that road, too. <laughs> It leads to a silly place. But, yeah, uh, game theory is not just for gaming, but it is... Uh, games do take certain aspects from it. Because, um, of course, they want to apply cooperative and non-cooperative strategies in order to get players to, you know, either be cooperative or not be cooperative... Or in other aspects, like sometimes they take what certain uh, like test subjects find out what they do and then use that the, uh, to their advantage. Because um, uh, I, I remember reading somewhere that the original concept of rested EXP from World of Warcraft originally was supposed to be a detriment. It was supposed to be a punishment for the player who wasn't playing constantly. But uh, I, I, I feel like I've read that, but backwards. That it was supposed to be a play, a punishment for the player that was playing constantly. Uh, well, it was a factor that they wanted it to be a punishment for the player that uh, that was playing constantly. Mm-hmm. But then they found out that a lot of players were actually, you know, taking time off so that they could get the boost, so that they could just do it in shorter bursts. And or so they were doing what I did and creating an army of alts and just switching between them every day <laughs> so that whichever, whoever they're playing had all of it. Yeah. Admittedly, like, we were talking under certain conditions where they were looking at players that were only playing... And instead of being a detriment, they turned it around and made it a, because uh, they noticed that some of the players that were playing constantly weren't playing, uh, were getting diminishing returns. And so mm -hmm. they turned the mechanic into much more of a positive one by saying, hey, if you take some time off, you get some boosted EXP so you can play, uh, so you can catch up. As well as fall, of course, the recommendation of like not playing games twenty four seven. Which, I, first I, of I, all, how dare? I, I, but, but 
likewise, I've seen the same thing with Destiny. Yeah. Um, Destiny, the I think it's what the first five season levels you have an EXP boost per week. Yep. Um. Yeah, it's something like that. They call it the well rested. Uh, boost. Yeah. Um, so, and that is technically using, I, I'd want to say, uh, this may lead into discrete and continuous games. Uh, well, no. That's not even bringing any kind of bells. Nope, it's not. It, it's definitely not. But no, they uh, they used, but that's taking, uh, uh, but that's uh, more of like, I want to say, uh, symmetric and asymmetric information, from games, and then using it to uh, to their strategy to get people to you know, try to be healthy, aka, stop poop sucking. It's bad people. It's disgusting. I mean, you still have to step away for a couple minutes here and there. <laughs> but game, uh, most of the time that I've seen like proper game theory is actually more used in the actual like game development uh, side of things. Because some of them just don't, I want to say, match up with actual like, oh, one-to-one, -one, uh, this is like the... Uh, game theory matches up with this style of gaming. No. Some of it's like... Uh, doesn't even match it up. Like, combinatorial games. It's like, that's... That's just, like, player choice straight up. Is that... Well, uh, it's like, what does the player do? Oh, the player can do this. And then what does that do? Well, it allows the player to then move on to these. It's like, well, that's that's that. Um, there's a lot more to it uh, to game theory than just the ones we kind of talked about. And out the, and like some people are like, oh, this sounds really nice. As a heads up, there's a lot of higher level math. We're talking like theoretical math. Uh, this, this is like. Post-secondary school math. Or, is that right? Post-secondary would be college. Uh, college or university. I would probably put a university, or at least maybe uh, when you're starting to work on your master's degree. I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking like, senior math, if you're, like, you know, all, if you're in a, like, strictly math-driven, like, degree program at a... Uh, with a yeah, that's that's it's just, it's really complex math. We'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah, when I said higher uh, higher tier, I was talking like you're. It's like if you see a number somewhere, you're like oh, an actual number. Oh wait. <laughs> oh wait, it turns into this thing later. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> there goes my sanity. That number was my sanity. Bye. <laughs> You may see one number in this long equation that's literally just symbols and letters and brackets and mathematical formula. 
Mm-hmm. Roll for insanity. <laughs> Natural 20? Congrats. Congrats. You, you had a plus the... 20 to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> the minimum roll is a 20. <laughs> so... It, it, yeah, but, like, I know that there's people out there that initially is like, math is hard, and I don't want to do it. It's like, math is uh, simple. Math has rules. Real life is garbage because there's no, technically no rules in life. Hi, I have an MBA. Math is hard. Oh, shut it, Eddie. No, it's not. <laughs> math is hard. I mean, for some, I suppose. I mean, math is math. There's definite rules in math, Eddie. Yeah. And then there's the rules that break the rules. Or then there's the exceptions to the rules that always seem to happen. Sounds like sounds like every English professor ever, yet we're dealing with math. <laughs> but, yeah, game theory is collectively like an interesting topic admittedly like we have two people that have general understanding of game theory a lot more than me michael and mpx who have layman's terms and the wikipedia articles um because don't don't worry that mba didn't give me much more above that (laughs) no i would say less (laughs) because but it's still like you still used a little bit of some of those in your work, Eddie. I'm guessing, or at least I mean, a, a lot of what we're talking talking about when it comes to game theory is like applying real analysis to literally something you already do automatically, as by virtue of having will and making decisions. Like that happens already. You already kind of go through these thought processes on your own. Game theory is about. Like again, modeling them, mapping them out, and trying to put you know, numbers, put numbers or formula optimize. on the paper. We're trying to optimize the decision making again. You know, we're trying to make artificial intelligence using this kind of stuff because so, so we can make the best possible outcomes. And a lot of these are still understudy. A lot of the things we talked about today are still understudy because there is not yet a developed complete theory that that optimizes all these different outshoots of of game theory that's how complicated this shit is and you want to know why because chaos theory exists (laughs) and tends to wreak havoc on everything else (laughs) so i'm surprised that this this episode wasn't about the the, the 1980s power pop band called game theory i thought that's that's what i studied for uh um admittedly like game studies or ludology or the study it's like i'm pretty sure some people are like oh we're gonna be talking about the youtube series like hell no um that'd be copyright strike right there that that, not necessarily copyright strike that may be a bit i want to say slander But I'm not a lawyer, so. Slander? I don't think it'd be slander, because we we like we like we like Mr. Pat of the Mat. 
Not all of us. Accurate. We do. Well, most of us do. I think. I think most. I think simple majority. I like how. Well, one person is probably asleep or doesn't care. I'm not sure about Eddie, though. I think he muted himself again. No, I'm still here. Oh, okay. But. <laughs> I'm yeah. just trying to defend Pathumatric. Pathumatric? <laughs> hey, real, real game theory fans know. <laughs> but, yeah, the other topic that we could have talked about, and we will definitely save that one because that's. That's a topic in a, uh, in and of itself because uh, that one is used a lot in gaming. And well, if we're saving it, we might as well save it. Yeah. Just see. I thought we we're going to talk about food theory and film theory next, but I guess we had a different idea. Oh, those are different episodes. Okay. We'll have to invite you back for that one. Flavor theory. No, and just food theory. And the Thanks durian. Oof. Hey, the durian actually <laughs> tastes pretty good. It's yeah, if it's fresh. It's the smell that's the problem. Even well, the, the taste is also a problem if you're eating frozen durian, but that's another story. I've been told I have poor taste, so I won't say anything. <laughs> uh, I, I think we're kind of done. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. So, in that case, uh, thanks for joining us for us trying to dis trying to discuss game theory, and just running into the typical wall of like we don't know enough about this, or at least we know. We enough already to get for out three years. <laughs> oh, hopefully you enjoyed though. I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hope, the, uh... Maybe you'll find a uh, like maybe. This got you interested in trying to join those people in figuring out game theory and perfecting, quotations, mathematical formula that basically tells you, like, hey, you can gain the system this way. Or create the next enemy AI. God, no. Just, just no, Eddie. No? No. Oh. What is it with I you and... Video... In... Eddie, what's <laughs> Robot Overlords? Not... I'm in video games. Well, we do need better AI in video games, honestly. You see? True. There you go. But, okay. In this case, thanks for joining us for Front Row Perspectives. Uh, join us next time for when we talk about something else. Food Theory! <laughs> Where we force-feed Eddie a full Dorian. Live on audio. Not everybody. Live, huh? <laughs> Bye. 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 So now, anyways, you were saying about the uh. Yeah, Cthulhu had a bunch of just.